You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello everyone! I'm so excited. I'm here in the Della Darling studio with Dara and our intern Nutmeg. She's a little hyped tonight because we had a last minute switcheroo with guests, so I think you're going to hear her a little bit throughout this episode. Are you talking about me or Nutmeg? Um, it could be either, but I was thinking of our unpaid intern. <laughs> who doesn't really contribute a whole lot. Well, I am also excited and I am willing to go with this last minute change of guests. Um, I can't remember if we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we were hoping, I know we were, we did say that we were hoping to do an interview with um, some sort of performer, a comedian, um, a theater person at some point in 2019, and we got one. We did get one, um, actually a Delawarean in the wild, who's pretty recently in the wild, but unfortunately some work commitments for him shifted, and so only a few hours before recording he had to cancel. But we're so lucky because we do have some really great guests that we think you guys will love. Um, but before we bring them on, we did want to catch you up on some of the things we've been up to. Um, January has gone by really fast for me, um, but I'm excited for February. Um, it's been cold, but I've been outside a little bit. What have you been up to, Emily? Uh, I have mostly been inside, which has been good. So a couple weeks ago, you know, on our last episode, we had talked about the choir school having a cabaret hosted at Opera Delaware. And it was such a great event. We had the adult singers as well as a number of the student singers, including one of the girls who sang a solo is only in the eighth grade. And I was so impressed. I honestly would have thought a junior in high school at a minimum. Mm -hmm. um, and so the students were just so impressive and it's really, really, um, you know, a lot for the choir school because these students are getting out there for four minutes and they're performing alone. There's no backup, um, you know, they're performing their song. There's there's a little bit of movement. It's not necessarily like a full show. Um, four minutes is a really long time when it's just you in front of a crowd. If four minutes is a very long time. And thinking about these kids are 14, 15, 16 years old, um, and they're hitting, I mean, notes that I wouldn't be able to hit, and they're, you know, they really didn't have a lot of amplification from the mic, and, and it was really just such an amazing event. Um, and they even had a bunch of the preps and singers, so the little elementary school kids, um, sing my favorite things from The Sound of Music. So everybody got involved. I'm hoping next year they sing the Cuckoo song to close it out with the preps. Oh, very good, yeah. I, I would love for that to happen. I think it would be so great. Um, and then the only other thing I've really been up to, I went to a happy hour with the Delaware Young Professionals Network. Um, Ryan Catalani has been on the podcast and we partnered with him for the Delaware Charity Challenge. And he has been on me about going to one of these happy hours for a while. And so finally it was able to fit into my schedule. And one of the people I met there, and I'm hoping one day we'll get him on the podcast, is actually David Kubaki, who, um... I believe he owns his own business. It's a small business, Viadel Consulting. And so he does a number of things, but the main thing that he does is Lego Serious Play, which is like a totally um, copyrighted kind of thing. So he's a trained Lego Serious Play facilitator, meaning he basically goes into offices and business meetings and such, and he does a lot of team building activities 
through Legos. So I'm imagining a lot of like problem solving, building, all those kinds of things. So um, he's a really interesting person and involved in a lot of different things in Delaware. So I think he would be an interesting guest that we might eventually have. Yeah. So while you were doing that, that same weekend, um, the Orchid Show opened at Longwood Gardens. And it was sort of neat to be there because the, like the week before, um, a couple different news sites, including the News Journal, had articles up about how this rare orchid was actually discovered at Longwood Gardens and no one knows how it came to be. Well, and I think it's rare enough that it's never been in the U.S. before. This is the first time they have found it in the U.S. and it is at Longwood. Yeah, so it's not part of the Orchid Show. The Orchid Show happens annually. Um, it's all, you know, all throughout the conservatory. Um, so you don't see it, but um, it you can walk the grounds and then you can check out the conservatory. Um, it was cold, but I liked walking the grounds because it was it was kind of quiet and empty because it's after the holiday show. People kind of forget about Longwood that you can go, um, and then you can warm up and see all of the beautiful and really colorful um, orchids. And I've tried, people have given me orchids as gifts, they don't last very long, so to be surrounded by many different walls and curtains made of orchids is very um, impressive to me. No, I completely agree, and you know, something I think a lot of people sort of forget about is Longwood. And obviously, everyone remembers at Christmas time because they do the lights and all their displays, and now that the fountains have been reopened for the last two summers, I think people get really excited to go to the fountain shows. But then you sort of have this time frame between January and say April or May where people just aren't going along with because they're not thinking about it as having special events. Mm -hmm. And the Orchid, um, the Orchid Festival is, is a big one. Yeah. And then afterward, um, I wanted to check out the Creamery in Kennett Square, which is something that I just kept hearing about in passing and conversation. Me too. I've heard it's pretty similar to Wilmington Brew Works, but I don't know that you've been to WBW. I haven't yet. So I don't know that we can compare them. I think we could probably compare experiences. Okay. Yeah. So tell me what it was like at the Creamery. So it's not, if anyone who's familiar with Kennett Square, it's not like on the main strip. Um, like the, the State Street. It's not on State Street. It's a, it's a little bit off. Um, and it, like big parking lot, um, kind of like big sort of like warehouse feeling facility. Okay. Um, and I was interested in going mostly for the drinks. I had seen um, Filter Coffee. They have a location in Kennett Square proper as a coffee shop. Um, but inside the creamery, they do um, drinks, both like coffee and alcoholic, and ones that would mix like your typical cafe fare with something alcoholic. So I got something called the What's Kraken. I like that. All right. And yeah. what was in it? Um, so there was uh, chai tea and rum and a lemon and something else that I can't remember. Um, and then they also had like some like sort of hot, like mulled winey drinks. Okay. Like, well, it's winter. Have, it's yeah. winter. So they had some seasonal options. Yeah. You Like you could put a shot of something in your favorite coffee beverage. That was fun. Gotcha. Um, and then I was just there kind of like, like just quick relaxing drinks. Um, but there were a lot of people there and like a wide age range. Like you had older couples who were looking for something to do on the weekend. You had um, couples with young children who wanted to have fun and then the kids could go off and like play with some of the games close by. And then you had like 20 something, there was a big 20 something birthday party there because they brought the cake out. And mm -hmm. I think that they, you could do like cake and get drinks and food 
in the main hall, and then there's also an area where you can do axe throwing. Oh, okay. So they have like activities, food, beverage. Sounds like you can bring your own cake and have your own party. So a little fun for everyone. Yeah. I think it's probably best to go with a big group though. Um, it was interesting to check out, but it seems like to really enjoy everything they have going on, you want to go there, um, you know, with your friends and, and have like make a an afternoon of it. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to check that out. Um, I think Wilmington Brewers is, is fairly similar, right? They have the food trucks come in, they have the beverages, um, they've got like the chalkboard wall for kids, and now they're doing yoga every other, I believe it's every other Sunday. It's $15 yoga, and you get a beer or cider mm -hmm. at the end. So, to be honest, like $15 for a drop in yoga class is actually pretty inexpensive, plus you get the beer. So, that really puts you at more like six or seven dollars for the yoga class. Um, so I think it's a great deal and um, it's awesome that they found a way to use their space and it sounds like the creamery is using their space with axe throwing. So that's great. And then actually I wasn't able to attend but a few days later um, my professor that I just finished the social media class with um, that we, we sort of talked about in passing. Um, at Epic Nancy Lee for anyone wondering. Right. Um, she gave a, like a, a community presentation on social media and marketing. So then that was like during the afternoon on a weekday. Um, so like a little bit before happy hour, like swing by after work or um, take some time to head out and like get some professional development and maybe network a little bit. So I think they are doing some of those events as well. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and I love when we see these sort of these restaurants or pubs, those kinds of things, sort of taking on the feel of a community center and, and hosting some events or outsourcing hosting events. A lot of them are happy to let somebody else sort of organize and run it. Um, so that's always a good thing to check out is not every event at every restaurant is gonna be food or beverage focused. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can do other things there. Absolutely. So I think that wraps up um, sort of our, our opening and we're gonna we're gonna talk some news with our guests because they are news experts. Yeah, I don't think there's a question. They're news experts. So we just called them news experts and I definitely think they fit the bill. We're joined by Christina Jedra and Jeannie Kwong, who are both reporters at the News Journal. So you're both transplants of Delaware. Could you tell us a little bit about when you joined and like your initial impressions on Delaware. I know Jean, when you when you joined the club. When you joined the Delaware club. <laughs> when you joined the News Journal. The journal, News Journal. Zone, yes. Whatever. Um, Jeannie, you're a very recent addition. Yes. Um, I joined the News Journal as a reporter. In Not the club. And no. the club. And the club. I'll, I'll get there. She's a Delaware enthusiast at heart. <laughs> We've transitioned. Um, I moved here in October um, to take Christina's old job covering the city of Wilmington. So um, I've been here a few months and initial impressions, I was surprised by how small it is. Sorry, I'm sure that everyone's The city that. or the state? Or the both. state. The state, okay. Yeah, like that you can drive through it in like a couple hours. I was oh, blown away. The by geographic that. size. Yes. Where, and where are you from originally? California. <laughs> oh, so, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. It's a, it's a transition. Um, but. I liked I like the like location and its proximity to all these other places and what I found interesting about it is how engaged people really seem about their communities like that's new for me um, like coming from bigger cities it just seems like it's much harder to be really like engaged with your local government and like going to your zoning meetings and things like that like that's just seems like something that's so out of reach for people mm -hmm. who live in really big cities and in Wilmington, people seem to really turn out for a community meeting, so that's been really cool to see. Yeah, and I uh, moved here 
about two and a half years ago now um, for the job at the News Journal. At the time, uh, I came in as the Wilmington City Reporter. Um, a few months ago, they moved me to investigative, so now I'm in charge of just digging into stuff that kind of takes a little more time and attention. Um, and so can... every middle school journalist's dream. <laughs> right. I think everybody I so. envisions being an eye reporter. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I actually started out wanting to be in magazines and like have that 13 going on 30 oh. type life. 30 flirting and thriving. Exactly. And then I took a, a, a turn um, at the end of college. Uh, I was interning at Cosmopolitan. And then my next internship was at the Baltimore Sun, which you couldn't have two more opposite things. Wow. Um, and then I just took the news route instead of the magazine route. Mm-hmm. And um, magazines might be dying faster than newspapers, potentially, so I think I made the right call. But Yeah, well, I think, <laughs> I think magazines yeah, used to be where you would get your think pieces. Um, mm-hmm. And now you have yeah. sites, well, first off, Medium, I guess you can self-publish there, right? Yeah. Um, and a number of other sort of think piece sites, thought catalog, and those things. So I really feel like those particular things have been replaced. And then you've got, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to clothing and makeup and all those things, you have vloggers, right? So the YouTube community, people on Instagram, IGTV, and Instagram stories. Like, people do try-ons of their clothes, so you don't really need to see, like, six different women wearing the same outfit with different body types because that's on Instagram. Um but I still like to read a magazine in the bathtub. <laughs> so something that I really like to do on the podcast, um, we always have a little break where we talk about local news. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that's important to me is to show that we read, we're both subscribers to the News Journal. We both read Yay. local news. Love um, to hear it. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important for people to get to know their local reporters, to get to know that there's a face behind the byline, to get mm-hmm. to know that there is a byline. Um, yes. So what... Um, I like want to know why you wanted to become journalists, but then I also want to know like, can you share like a fun, humanizing fact? <laughs> Everything about you is human, but like, what? <laughs> but for our listeners fact. who are, I am very friendly. <laughs> yeah. I promise. Hmm. Well, I think I wanted to get into journalism because I wanted to educate people. I wanted to like give them information that they didn't know to help make their lives better. Um, and I came into that with the idea of magazines, but really now, like you said, you don't need information. You, you can get information a lot more directly now, some information. But what I do now is tell people things they couldn't find out on their mm-hmm. own. So I, I like to provide value for people in that way. Um, something humanizing. I mean, it um. can be like favorite <laughs> food, thing that you would take to a deserted island. Pet's name. Sports. Well, her team. her nephew is named Parker. He's a golden <laughs> doodle. Oh, that's true. And My I love his dog. Yes. Um, actually, a fun is... fact: Christina's sister actually went to college with me, that's and true. we were in the same sorority. So, um, I had been following Christina on Instagram and Twitter and social media for six months to a year. I mean, it must have been a while because Ryan had already moved here. Um, so we mentioned Ryan earlier in the podcast, but he is actually Christina's boyfriend. Um, and so I was in the grocery store one day and I, I just knew, I was like, magic of pie is standing next to me. Because at that point, I didn't know his name. I only knew his Twitter, his Instagram handle. And I had only just realized that 
both you and your sister, who have the same last name, Mm -hmm. this should not have been complicated to me, but we're sisters, right? Right. And I connected this because of the dog. Um, Right, because I would post pictures with him as if he were my own on my Instagram, but he's not. Right, so I thought you had a golden doodle, (laughs) and she had a golden doodle. But it was the same one. And it turned out to be the same one. And and so I knew who Magic of Pi was from social media, but I didn't know him. And so now that we're all friends, we've met, I I have shared this story with Connected on social media. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But at Delaware is a small place. So, yeah, and Parker has visited, actually. I've gotten to puppy sit him in Wilmington, and we can't pass by anybody on Marcus Street without someone stopping and, like, talk about how beautiful he oh. is. He's, um, he's very handsome. He very is blonde. a very handsome man. Yeah. He is, <laughs> he is, he is a tall blonde. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think when he stands up, he is taller than me. Oh. Yeah, he probably is. Um, well, I got into journalism because um, I enjoyed writing, and I thought that this not super lucrative career would be slightly more stable than like writing novels. Um, but also because I um, similarly, you know, want to give people important information about their lives, especially by reporting on government. I think it's important that people know, you know, what's going on with their taxpayer dollars and with the people who have power over mm-hmm. them. Um, and it's not just I important just, to know, but I mean, studies have shown that like the importance of having a local newspaper and what that means for local government, what it means for, you know, how much you pay in taxes, mm-hmm, that like, mm-hmm. if there isn't someone watching and sharing the information, like no one has any idea what's right. going on. There's no accountability. Yeah. Yes. And I'm going to throw out there, cause I say this often, you should subscribe, whether it be to the news journal or any other form of media that is local or national that you find is important and it's bringing you information that you value. Because the way I think about it is that when I read a story from Christina, she's gone to all of the sources, she's made all of those phone calls, she's requested all of the documents, <laughs> and I think about the hours that would have taken me, mm-hmm. and that's the time she saved me, and I can read the article in five minutes. So I like to think about what my time is worth and how much of it Christina just saved me. <laughs> and so I love that. So I think that's a good way sometimes to give people some perspective that the seven dollars a month I pay for my news journal subscription because I do the digital, like I think it pays for itself tenfold at least every month. Yeah. And I think if you can that. afford that, like there are so many different options. Like if you can give like a dollar to W H Y Y or if you can just like donate to one of the various like journalism nonprofits that are out there or just also I think it's really powerful to just like say something on on Twitter or social media like mm-hmm. just like shoot an email that's like hey I really like that story I think that can be I know it's not money in the bank but that's that still means really, a lot to it us means a lot. it really nice. means a lot um, like getting unsolicited emails from people just saying like keep digging on this like I feel like there's something more there or just like good job it's it keeps us going because sometimes journalism can be bleak <laughs> anyway you were saying you're about to give us your fun fact oh we can't miss out on that yeah i'm really blanking on this you make a really what did you have for dinner bread. a baked what oh she makes great baked brie oh oh uh, all right give us the quick and dirty recipe <laughs> okay Baked brie, you take a puff pastry, yes. you roll it out, you put an entire like chunk of brie in the middle of it, and then you dump apricot preserves on it, mm-hmm. and then you just roll it fold up. it up and put it in the oven. The I don't know what the temperature so is, or the like measurements, it doesn't matter. It's going to be good. The other trick is, when I have just a leftover pie crust, yeah. you can use that too. So sometimes like if you're making idea. pie crust... 
Amy Watson Bish, we had on the podcast a few months ago. She's known as That Pie Girl. Um, and so she has sort of inspired me to make more of an effort at making my own pie crust. And so at Christmas time, I had made a pie and I had a leftover pie dough. And I thought, you know what? Perfect. I made some baked brie. I also have leftover pie dough mix, but that's just because I accidentally like tripled my recipe at Christmas. <laughs> It was the salt incident. Yeah, it was the it was the great salt incident of 2018. Yeah, Sadara, did you triple your salt by accident? So then she sort of had to triple everything else. Oh my god! Um, and our our intern has really taken to Jeannie. She's she's up on her lap and actively participating. So we're we're glad she is is at least behaving, if not contributing. Is she paid? She is unpaid, so um, we've said this a few times. She's looking for a job that is paid because she is a freeloader. Um, actually, there was a dead mouse in my house last week. Um, it was a not traumatizing incident. I guess I don't scare with rodents easily. But Nutmeg did not notice. She did not do anything about it. And she has not been actively hunting mice. So she, she really, I mean, she's a freeloader. So talking about dogs... I think we can only segue into one topic as we start to tackle some of the current events. Um, but the headline I saw was, Geese lure yet another dog into freezing Carousel Park Pond. So, for those who don't know about my family, I have nutmeg, I have one dog, that's enough dogs for me. My parents, however, have three dogs. When nutmeg is there, it's four, it's a complete zoo. The dogs are in charge. They run rampant. Um, but last winter, our one of my parents' dogs was the first of the dogs to fall through the ice at Carousel. Um, and I will say, like, my dad really did do the smart thing. He did not go in after my dog. He did not have this idea in his head that the ice would hold him if it didn't hold the dog. Mm -hmm. So he had thrown out, they have the little life rings, right. life preserver rings. He had thrown that out. Uno had climbed on top, so he was like mostly out of the water, um, but an ambulance came. They had to have the rescuers come and go out there on the little boat to get him. It was a whole thing. Um, he rode in an ambulance to the vet. He's fine, by the way. Everything is fine. <laughs> no lasting damage. He came home literally within two hours. No reaction. Everything was fine. He was back to being his bad self, stealing food from a being family Being interviewed party. by all local media. Yes, he, the news <laughs> journal called and wrote a story, and the photo is him swaddled in blankets <laughs> and towels in front of the ambulance with the, the rescuers. And if you know this dog, like, I love him, but he um, is kind of like Dennis the Menace. Like, he's just looking for the next thing he can do to screw with Mr. Wilson. Like, <laughs> everyone in the world is Mr. Wilson. Um, and so, seeing him in, like, this pitiful little baby, I just was ridiculous. Um, and then he was featured on the Philadelphia 6 o'clock news. Mm -hmm. So, big time. I mean, they sent, they sent a news crew to our house and to, inter celebrity. to interview my dad and... Uno the dog. Now, he's a Canadian hunting dog is his breed, so he was fine with that amount of time in the water. But, but And luckily, it all turned out okay, and I think it, it has turned out okay for everybody this yes. year so far. But so far. Um, I guess this is a good reminder. Um, we leash our dogs. It's an open dog park. They're allowed off-leash there, but sometimes even the best dog who always listens can get a little carried away yeah. um, and literally test the waters. Yeah. Um, and so the best advice is don't go in after them. Call 911. They'll send a rescue crew. 
Thank um, you, first responders. Yeah, our first responders are great. Without them. And if you need a demo video, the um, county executive, Matt Meyer, today did a little PSA video by the lake pond. I'm not sure the size of this. It's a pond. But, um, I think it's a pond. They, they demonstrated how to throw the life ring oh. out there, so in we'll case anybody needs that. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely link that for you guys. Um, we love our furry friends, but we also need to love ourselves and maintain some safety so Jeannie um what was like your first assignment when you came onto the news journal um well my first first assignment was during my interview where I wrote about residents in Wilmington who were complaining that they were getting really high water bills I don't know if that happened to you guys but um the city had like switched over their billing system and so you know a bunch of things didn't line up at the right time and so people were getting really high water bills so that was my first foray into Wilmington. Okay. So you and so then, you came, you visited Wilmington. Mm-hmm. You're in the office, this is your first day, and they sent you out into Wilmington. Oh, no, this was her interview. This, this is I my mean, this interview. interview. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, what was your impression? Like, were what were you thinking? Pound in the pavement. Like, well, yeah. Christina gave me a tour. Okay. So we drove all over the city, and it was really great to see all the different neighborhoods. Um, you know, so I kind of knew, like, what kind of place I'm, you know, potentially moving to. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think my impressions from then and even now are just that, you know, development is a big topic that's on everyone's minds. So, um, you know, how the city, um, you know, improves itself and and develops while including everyone is something that I think is really interesting and I'm sure will continue to be a big topic of discussion. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what your first story was, Christina? Uh, well, I did also have a test story, but mine was really boring, so I'll tell you about the first real story I did. (laughs) Once I got here, um, we just so happened to get a great anonymous tip on my first week that the city finance director owed, um, thousands of dollars in tax liens. (laughs) So she was the person in charge of collecting everyone's city taxes, but then she owed herself, you know, the government, like, I think it was like $30,000 to the federal government. Um, so I got to break that story for my first story, but, um, yeah. And this, this is kind of a great segue that we sort of teased before, um, you're very involved with FOIA requests and you did yes. a community, um, event where you kind of explain what they are and how anyone can do them. Yes. So do you want to get the little mini presentation now? Sure. So FOIA is, that's an acronym, it stands for the Freedom of Information Act, and it's a state and federal law through which citizens can get access to public records. And public records are basically the documents that government uses to operate um, with exceptions, or as we say, exemptions to FOIA. Um, So things that would be like a threat to national security, for example, you can't always get. Um, But generally, like how your tax dollars are spent, you're supposed to be able to know know how your elected officials are doing. So um, you can make a FOIA request, a, a written, you know, request for information, and if you're specific enough, usually you can get it, you're supposed to be able to get it uh, within 15 days. It can go a lot of different ways, but that's the, the basic framework of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I do a lot of my work. Okay. And so you did like a community workshop. Do you think you'll be doing any more of those or like something yes. similar in the future? I am actually. April 8th, I think, in Lewis. I have another one scheduled with the Delaware Coalition for Open Government. Um, I'll be pretty much doing the same presentation and telling people downstate how they can get access to their public records. So I'm excited. 
I appreciate that you mentioned downstate because one thing that we're always trying to talk about is like Delaware as a whole. And it, I think, Jeannie, you mentioned like it's very small, but then we can also be very segmented. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what sort of interesting stories have you covered um, below the canal or like at the beaches? How like have you have you seen like taken in like all of Delaware? I can definitely take in more of it. <laughs> I only went to the beaches a few times uh, over the summers. I haven't spent a ton of time down there. Um, and especially since my beat was Wilmington for so long, mm-hmm. that's where I focus most of my attention. I did do a story last week about um, a fire department in Del Mar. Um, sorry that a lot of my stories are negative. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a sexual harassment issue in the fire department, basically, um, in Delmar. So that's about as far south as you can go. <laughs> um, but we should be doing more down there. Uh, it is hard, though, since most of our staff is uh, Newcastle mm-hmm. County. But then people might not know that there's sort of, there's a sister paper. Um, yes. Delmarville Salisbury. now, Salisbury mm-hmm. Times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're there, too. We don't work directly with them, but we're all sort of under the same mm-hmm. umbrella. Um, and more largely under the USA Today network umbrella. Mm-hmm. So we're all trying to do good things. Um, I haven't gone downstate a ton of times since I've been here, but I actually was writing about some issues you know, that I think affected people downstate. Um, recently, I've been covering the government shutdown um, and you know, a lot of the affected employees in Delaware were USDA employees. So the Department of Agriculture, obviously there's a bigger agricultural presence um, in, you know, below the canal. So, you know, farmers were being affected because they weren't able to go to farm offices to get um, things like loans or payments that the department gives to farmers for um, not being able to sell their products overseas because of the trade war. but also like the employees themselves were furloughed or working without pay and you know that really affects people and I also found out that Delaware has a significant number of you know I don't know the exact number but there we, I heard from several federal workers um, who live downstate or just over the border in Maryland or who are contractors or commute out of state to federal jobs in Washington DC um, so they were definitely affected by the shutdown as well. Yeah I think that for all that we talk about how Delaware is so centrally located like between DC and New York, um, you know, sometimes it can be easy to forget. Well, we, yeah, we do have a large population that commutes. I mean, our most famous commuter, Joe Biden, took the train out of Wilmington every day. Um, but he's not the only one. There are Tom a lot Carper. of people. Tom, Tom Carper. Carper works out at the Y. He Wellington and then goes to work. Oh I've then, seen him. Oh yeah, and then sometimes you can catch him on Sundays. He'll be uh, picking up groceries at the Trolley Square Acme on his oh, way yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him there. I've been stuck behind him in the self checkout, and it, he doesn't. I love Tom Carper, but he does not know how to use a self checkout. Oh. So don't get in line behind him. Good to know. Yeah. He and I were both at a press event um, at the Milford Food Bank um, last Friday. <laughs> talking about the food bank providing um, services to those affected by the shutdown. And um, I had written my story in a Milford Chick-fil-A and was ready to <laughs> turn the story in. And then my editor calls me and he's like, the shutdown's over. Oh, They're no. announcing it right this moment. Yeah. And so I talked to Carper again, you know, on the phone a couple hours later in the car on the way back to Wilmington. <laughs> no. He's probably also on the way back to Wilmington. 
um, the drama of being a journalist. I know. But, but, um, I mean, obviously, like, Tom Carper is pretty accessible, but how do you find that to be compared to previous places you've worked? So, like, are, are even, like, city council people as available as people like Tom Carper? Well, it depends what you're writing about. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are, are you saying they're more responsive to things that they mm. want good PR on? <laughs> yes, I am saying that. Um, they love to do ribbon cuttings and groundbreakings and uh, those types of things, which are great. I mean, we should definitely highlight, you know, positive developments in the community, absolutely. But they're not always um, so willing to get in front of the camera when you want to talk about something that they could perceive as criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it depends. <laughs> you need the whole meal. You need, like, your meat and potatoes yes, and your dessert. Yes, need both. <laughs> Everything can't be dessert. Everything yeah. can't be dessert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what has it been like discovering the community? Like, what are some of the stories you're still interested in, in writing, and how do you get your ideas? When you get ideas from, sometimes it's like things you experience in your everyday life. Um, like, I'll give one example. Hopefully this. So someone broke into my car over the weekend. <laughs> so um, I was curious, like, how often do car break-in crimes get solved in Wilmington? So I filed a records request today just to find out. And I don't know if a story will come from that. If there is no news and... You know, we don't report it, but I know it's happened to um, one of my colleagues and a lot of other people. So, you know, it's something affecting people's lives, and I wonder how prevalent it is and how often those things get solved. Um, other times I just file records requests for random things I'm curious about, and sometimes it leads to a story and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we get anonymous tips. A lot of times those don't pan out, <laughs> um, but it's still good to hear, like, what people are concerned about. Um, where do you get your ideas from? Um, yeah, you can get story ideas from pretty much anything. I mean, of course, like being the city reporter, I have to make sure that I'm spending enough time in the community, going to not just like city government meetings, but also civic association meetings and community meetings, um, and just kind of um, hearing from residents themselves, like what's going on in your lives. You know, do you have some major issues going on that, I mean, are those a pattern that I could look into? Um, but also, you know, filing records requests is a great way to get story ideas and um, also looking at, you know, big trends or big issues going on in the country and seeing, like, what does that mean for here? Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I'm interested in at looking at, um, you know, in the next several months or, or years that, you know, we're gearing up for the 2020 census and it's really, really important that everyone gets counted in the census that determines a lot of things like political representation and um, federal funding that local and state governments receive. So, you know, that's a big national story, like what kinds of questions are going to be on the census and how to um, make sure that people are still counted. But, you know, that you can always localize national stories and see, like, but how do we specifically count people in Wilmington or in Delaware? Mm-hmm. Um, because there might be specific challenges related to where you are um, as it relates to how this big national policy or uh, national action is playing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, so I, that leads me to another question. Um, most people know I live in the city of Wilmington, so I'm, I'm always on top of things. That water bell crisis, 
first off, I looked at my water bill, so I never had a crisis because you could see <laughs> the dates that you were being billed for. And also, if you paid attention, they had told us they were going from quarterly billing to monthly, and there would be some issues with, you may see some issues as they were transitioning from quarterly to monthly, but neither here nor there. <laughs> um, it all worked out. I'm very happy with the price I pay for water. Um, and I talk about this a lot, how, how much our water system actually is subsidized um, by our taxes. So mm -hmm. this is sort of my jam. Um, but another thing that I saw, and Jeannie, I think you wrote about this, um, is the property tax reassessment. So um, the way we basically pay our property taxes is homes are assessed for a certain value, your property, right? The land, your house, et cetera. And then the school taxes, how much you actually pay in county taxes in... Um, city taxes, et cetera, is based on that information. But the way Delaware works, reassessment doesn't happen very often um, in other places. It happens every few years. And so the actual tax rate never really changes. The assessment value changes. But here, the assessment value doesn't really change. We have referendums and such to change the tax rates. Mm -hmm. So my question is that Wilmington and Newcastle County are kind of, it seems to be having beef over who is responsible for paying for the reassessment. I don't know. So give us so, a little more on that. What happened is that um, the Wilmington mayor, Prisicki, has asked a court to allow them to join in as a party in a lawsuit that is really a big lawsuit about not only tax reassessment, but also how we fund schools in Delaware. But he's asked to join the part of the lawsuit that is against the county for not doing their tax reassessment. Um, as I understand it, they're kind of at odds. The county has now said that the city can do their own tax reassessment of the properties in the city, you know, jurisdiction the city proper, right? um, if they want to. And um, the city code itself doesn't allow for that. It says that the city has to use the county version. So that, that's sort of where some of the So they have to change from. the code in order to do their own assessment. And if they do their own assessment, that doesn't apply to what I pay in county taxes because that's based on the county's assessment, unless they decide to use the Wilmington one. But then that gives the question of if the city pays to have one and the county pays to have an assessment, I've just paid twice for an assessment. And mm -hmm. as a taxpayer, I don't like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. So, but this is a great example of stories where Jeannie, I can't even guess how many hours you've already spent on this story and how many more you will continue to spend <laughs> as you see it through. And so, as I said, a reminder that your local journalists are asking the right questions and helping to figure this stuff out so that they can more easily and compactly explain it to you. We've been talking a lot about um, being like the city watchdog reporter, and then we've had um, Nutmeg swing by a few times, and then of course we talked about like, your dog family news, Emily. There always is. And I can't believe we haven't talked about this other dog story yet, which is Jeannie's story, woman gets her beloved Pomeranian back after oh. believing he was dead. Oh my gosh. It so, shifts so, gears dramatically. No, it is. And you know what? It's a happy ending at the end. But yes. but I I have so many questions. Okay, so I'm going to sort of try to summarize because we were trading this story back and forth as more articles <laughs> mm -hmm. on it were coming out. So this woman went away. Um, her adult children had gotten this dog for her. What was his name? 
Jakey. Jakey, Jakey. yes. Who could this little Pomeranian Jakey. Is he a white Pomeranian? Yes. Yeah. He's okay. So he's a white Pomeranian, very, very cute. So she goes on a trip and leaves the dog with her father. She comes home from her trip and the father says, your dog died, I buried him. Mm-hmm. So she goes to look at where her father says he's buried and after a few days of morning. After a few days of morning and it doesn't look freshly dug. It doesn't look like there was anything that happened there. So she sort of asks and it turns out, I guess he got loose. And so neighbors had found him and asked around and nobody really knew where he belonged, which I imagine was he was staying not at his own home. The neighbors didn't recognize him, that kind of thing. So he went to a shelter. Someone, they waited the 10 days, whatever it was, um, and somebody adopted him. So it was all totally legal. They waited the appropriate amount of time. But finally, this woman figured out all, you know, that her dog was missing, not dead. Um, And then when she started looking into it, she found, or I guess a friend, somebody found him listed on the shelter's website, but he had been adopted. And so then came into question, this new family has adopted him totally legally, but of course it's been her dog for years. So should she get him back? She can't really get him back because legally he belongs to these other people now. Um, And I think several rescue groups reached out and said, we will let this if the family gives Jakey back to the original owner, we will let them choose any dog in our shelter with no adoption fees. Right. Um, and so I have so many questions. How did the confusion over whether he was deceased or lost happen? I mean, I did not talk to this woman's father, and she was pretty upset about it. And her at the time, she herself couldn't bring herself to talk to him. Um, but it sounds like he got loose and maybe he couldn't find her and thought it would be easier or maybe that it would cause her less heartache to just say that he had passed. It was, yeah, the whole thing got pretty twisted. Did you, so did was this come to you through a tip? We saw it on social media, which is oh. another place where we get stories sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh. So did you just see like a missing dog? Type so the or... person who found the dog became really active in trying to bring him back to the original owner because she had made a few posts about the dog and then posted also that she took him to the shelter. So eventually the original owner's family saw those posts and they got in touch with each other and so she made an additional post saying... You know, if anyone out there is the new owner of Jay-Z, <laughs> oh my please, please return him. Um, and so that that post kind of went viral, and that's how we saw that. Interesting. When you, when you say social media, like, what, um, where do you find people, like, Delawareans to be really active? Like, is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? How do you, like, it, social media is so deep. <laughs> well, I have a work Facebook, and I just... Some of your listeners may have gotten a friend request from me. We may have never met, but I just friend request like random Delawareans just to mm-hmm. connect with readers and sources and like show people that like here you can get news on my page and also tell me what's going on with you. So sometimes like just in my work news feed, I'll see like things like this where someone's like, please help. You know, there's some crazy thing happening and sometimes it's a story. And um, how did you find that one in particular? Um, our editor found it, oh, okay. but yeah, it's. I would say that Delawareans seem pretty Facebook active. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I haven't found as many on Twitter yet, but you know, if you have hot yeah. takes out there, find me on Twitter. Yeah, I know. Um, right after you moved here, Christina and uh, we had Meredith Newman on the podcast. Now 
last year. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one. Of, she was our actually. I think our first guest. Really, we had my mother on, but really, <laughs> that she wasn't there for a full episode yet. Um, Meredith was our first main segment guest, and I think she and Christina told me as soon as you had been hired and we were moving here, they were like, "You have to friend Jeannie on Facebook." So we've been friends actually for probably three or four months at this point. Um, and so I do follow and I see what you guys are posting and I try to comment and reshare um, mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that I, I think my sort of followers and, and listeners will will connect to. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. Yes. Is there something that you would like people to know about you? Um, or is there a story that you want more people to know about? Or, or be looking forward to that's coming up? Right now, I'm really on the hunt for something, like, interesting. I have, like, a lot of half-baked ideas, but I'm looking for that, like, big, meaty project that I can mm-hmm. really stick my teeth into for um, a while. So I would actually invite any listeners to send me your ideas for things that you want investigated, um, some, you know, some problem that you think could be fixed with some sun- mm-hmm. sunshine. Mm-hmm. So. Statewide. Right? Yes, statewide anything um let's see well I'm coming off the shutdown stuff so definitely keeping an eye on that and how that might affect especially low-income people um if the shutdown you know starts again people are really concerned about the social services that they receive Mm -hmm. with federal funding so something to keep an eye on um another thing I've been covering a lot is um Wilmington City Council they're having um a, a bit of a conflict so much um, drama amongst themselves um, <laughs> about the filling of a vacant seat and um, that's been really interesting because it's you know definitely about the vacancy and about that district but it's also sort of about the balance of power in city council and you know who sort of who in city council gets to make big, big decisions mm-hmm. so I mean I think that's something residents will find interesting about you know the different I guess like quote unquote sides that their council members are, are taking in that debate. Um, so yeah, but other than that, you know, I definitely want to keep an eye on development in Wilmington. Um, you know, it seems like a place that's going through a lot of changes. So um, how that's affecting residents is something that I'll definitely want to hear about. How um, you mentioned your Facebook pages? How can people get in touch with you, or how can they just follow along um, with your stories and thoughts? I'm really easy to find on Facebook. I think it's just my full name. I don't know what like the URL is, but search Christina Judra. Yeah. She pops right up. Uh, Jeannie, I think you're the same. Jeannie Kwong. Yeah, yeah. pop and right up. On Twitter, I'm just at Christina Judra. So also again, really easy to find. Yeah. those are my main social media. And and Jeannie just said she's at Jeannie Kwong. Yeah. So and obviously <laughs> very easy. Yeah, and obviously we'll link everything. And you guys know we always tag. Um, mm-hmm when we post information about our episodes and all that kind of stuff. So you should be able to find them there. Um, So I think that brings us to sort of wrapping up. And so we always like to end our episodes with sort of what we've got coming up. So um, sometimes giving people ideas of things they can do if there are maybe sort of things that are always happening and then sort of special events that are coming up. So I know um, I sort of have two things coming up. One, 
I'm actually going to go bowling on Thursday night um, with one of my engineering groups. <laughs> um, so very exciting. But it's at the main event in the Christiana Fashion Center, and I've never been there. And it was sort of a reminder that it's a good place to go with groups if you have um, like a birthday. Apparently, it's like really nice for adults. They do have drinks and a ton of different food options um, and really good party setups from what I hear. So I'm excited to try that out. And then Ellen Durkin was a guest we had on the podcast back in September. So listeners will remember her as the Iron Maiden. Um, so she's a blacksmith who creates forged fashion. So these beautiful headpieces and, and dresses made of metal. Um, and so she's actually doing a show at DCAD. And there are two receptions. It's very exciting. Um, the entire show is free. So you can go at any time over the course of February and see it. But Friday, February 1st is the opening reception from 5 to 8 p.m. And then Friday, March 1st is the closing reception from 5 to 8 p.m. And both of those events are free and are part of the Art Loop Wilmington, which I don't know if we've actually referenced that before. I think we maybe have. Um, but for those who don't know, the first Friday, um, a lot of communities do this. Actually, across the country, it's called First Friday. Um, Wilmington calls theirs the Art Loop Wilmington. And so different galleries and even restaurants will just have musicians playing. So in the Market Street downtown area. Um, and so DCAD is right there. And you can actually go to Ellen's show. And she's been posting sneak peeks on her um, Instagram and Facebook. And everything looks really awesome. Related to art, um, also several episodes ago, Emily and I talked about going to Brandywine River Museum to do one of their after-hours classes, and there are a bunch of classes coming up, but then the one that we did is going to um, return, and it was dining silk pillowcases, and I don't I don't know where you're, I don't see your pillowcase down here. Um, <laughs> my pillowcase is in my guest bedroom. That's right. Because I did the pink and purple to go with the quilt that my grandmother made for me. That's right. Well, if anyone else wants a specially designed pillowcase for their um, guest bedroom, it's coming up um, all the way in April, April 10th, um, but you can find out more about it on the Brandywine Room Museum's website. Yes, um, and some of the other classes that they have coming up, so check their website um, for the dates, are a printed tote workshop, experimenting with egg tempera. I don't know what that is, huh. but it sounds interesting. It's, it's painting. With eggs. It's like You make the paint with eggs? Yes. Oh, see, that. I could learn something. Um, watercolor florals. I am actually pretty interested in that. I think watercolor florals is very trendy on Instagram and bloggers' <laughs> home decor. So um, it would probably save me money. I have a lot of watercolor prints in my house. You could be making your own. It would probably save me money if I started making my own. Um, and then we've done actually a couple of alcohol ink workshops now. Um, and they have one called Wild and Wonderful Alcohol Inks. And I don't know what the product is but we could add it to our repertoire. So as what do you have going on? I have two things coming up. I'm really excited for Legally Blonde the Musical um, at the Grand next month. I'm a big fan. I got like second row seats. So <laughs> I saw it on Broadway with the original cast um, in New York like many years ago, and it's just my favorite. Um, and then I also have that FOIA workshop with the Delaware Coalition for Open Government coming up in April. Um, the place and exact time, I think, are to be determined, um, but anyone who's interested can keep an eye on my Facebook page, and um, it'll be in Lewis, somewhere in Lewis. Is it still recording? I am just interested in it getting warmer sometimes so <laughs> that I can have my first Delaware Beaches experience. Yes. 
have you found any like have you found like your spot in Delaware like I know a few weeks ago we were actually all at a mutual friend's birthday party at Hummingbird to Mars like have you found like your coffee shop or like your bar or your your like space to I'm be definitely you? taking a tour of all the brouhaha's right now <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on Those that are good. Um, but yeah I like Loma's nice Christina introduced all my yeah Loma's mm-hmm. my favorite <laughs> and and Jeannie you also live downtown right yes so, um, I've been great at recruiting people to live downtown with me. I know <laughs> so it's, it's such a booming thing. And three. honestly, even just maybe three or four years ago, it really wasn't mm-hmm. sort of the residential area that it is now. But I think more of the restaurants are open for dinners. Um, yes, which, which there used to be almost all the restaurants were breakfast and lunch, but most of them were actually just lunch. Um, yeah. And so that's been a huge transition. And then you have places that are more brew pub like, you know, Stitch House. Mm-hmm. Um, Loma coming in is great. My only thing is they're not open on Sundays, which I, know, yeah. I mean, I understand the premise of their business, but also right. I like to go get coffee on Sundays. That, that tends to be my only slow morning of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wild Witch is opening, I believe, a storefront down on Market now. Oh, I didn't even know. Also, that. Diablo. El Diablo. El Diablo is coming to market. They're moving yeah. into the old Cadoba space, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think that's going to be great. Um, I know when I lived in Trolley, I definitely, on a Friday night, could, could I wanted to order in, you know, but I could convince myself to put on my shoes and walk the four blocks to at least, you know, go get a burrito. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm happy that you on Market Street will now have that option as well. Hope they'll be open on the weekends too. We'll see. Yeah. Fingers that's- crossed. I, I feel like they might have more limited hours. Um, like they may not be open from you know noon until ten. It might be noon to two, and then yeah, later. So we'll see. Um, but that's exciting stuff. So, um, like we said, you guys can follow Christina and Jeannie on Facebook, on Twitter, and then please, please, please follow us on social and. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Um, we're always looking to make things better, and the only way for us to do that is to get some ratings, get some reviews, and have you guys subscribing so that we know how many listeners we really have. Thanks so much for joining us Thanks and talking us. about local journalism. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and the Della Darling on Facebook.